So I want to start off this podcast today with a little bit of a shout out to an amazing man called Brian, who is a part of the Hive podcast. So hi, Brian, if you're listening. And also check out the Hive podcast if you haven't already. It's another really awesome conservation podcast, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, but uh, Brian, I just need to shout you out because you have been a huge inspiration to me. When I posted the first uh, podcast of this season, you commented saying that I need to keep doing this because I'm the only person producing this kind of content about conservationists. And it really reframed the whole way that I look at lonely conservationists and my role in it and the podcasts and the blogs. And I just think that one, it kind of puts the pressure on to keep producing this content because I really want to see conservationists and their struggles represented. But two, it highlights exactly why we need your stories, your inclusive stories of everyone in this community to be shared and represented. So if you have been scrolling along the blog and you realize there's nobody just like you, there's nobody with your specific story, please send your story over so I can represent you because I really want to make it my mission to showcase all the hurdles, all the struggles that conservationists face, start a con start a conversation not a conservation start a conversation about it so we can start taking steps to remedy these issues and that's basically why I'm doing this podcast and why I started Lonely Conservationist is because I really don't want us to be struggling or lonely anymore so just a reminder that all of your stories are really valid and I would love to share them so if you haven't shared your blog already or you have and you want to share an update blog please feel free to submit it at lonelyconservationist.com. And I really look forward to seeing all of your stories. So thank you, Brian, for being such an inspiration and for reminding me the benefit of giving a voice to all these incredible conservationists out there. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome back to episode three of How to Conserve Conservationists, season two, all about you. My name is Jesse, and Hello. I'm here with... Todd? <laughs> He's not taking up the Toddney. It's just Todd now. Well, my new name's Rodney. Oh, yeah. We had a beautiful, beautiful message from a lonely conservationist saying that she listened to the podcast and she really enjoyed the conversations we've been having, but the autocorrect accidentally converted Toddney to Rodney. So now Todd is just adopting... Name after name. <laughs> to be fair, Todney's not a real name. <laughs> to be fair, it's not. I think that's the appeal. Is that's that it sounds appeal. like Rodney. <laughs> um, so in this episode, we're going to be talking... Sorry for banging my elbow again. I always do that. In these podcasts, you just hear bang, bang, bang. <laughs> um, I was going to say, can we move the mic into a better position? Okay, where do you want to move it? So for context, we have one of those old, ye oldie set of plastic drawers... You know, yeah. from like cheapest chips <laughs> and the microphone just sitting on top. Cheapest chips isn't even a Melbourne thing. That's a very South Australian thing, like a $2 shop, a dollar store, whatever you call it, all around the world. They sell stuff that are cheapest chips. Yeah, it's cheapest chips. Although in today's world, chips is now like $10. So back in the day when there was no inflation on the price of chips, <laughs> things were as cheapest chips. Anyway, <laughs> very distracted. This episode is all about being a conservationist in the LGBTQIA plus community. And we'll be referencing the blogs of Thea, which at the time of writing, uh, the blog is written under Fen, 
I'll link it below, and Matthew. So I'll link both blogs in the show notes and you can follow along with us. Um, but to start off with, I just want to acknowledge that so over the past two years in Lonely Conservationist, I have had conversations with people all throughout the LGBTQIA plus community and it seems to be like there's a lot of differing opinions about preferences and opinions within the community. So it's going to be very challenging for us to talk about every we'll talk about this community and the experiences in a way that appeals to everybody. So we have just chosen these two blogs as blogs we think are really indicative of two experiences that we think are going to be very relatable. And these blogs have done really well and were loved by a lot of lonely conservationists. And in fact, one blog actually led to an LGBTQIA plus chat in amongst the lonely conservationists, which brought a whole heap of um, LGBTQIA plus lonely conservationists together. It is a mouthful. Isn't it? it is a mouthful. It keeps growing, which but is great. I don't want to exclude anyone. So yeah, these blogs have had such a big impact in the community, and this is why we've chosen them today. But like straight off the bat, we acknowledge that there is some differing opinions within this community, and. I understand if speaking from kind of outside of the community that we can't appeal to everyone with this discussion. It's a really, it's a really big topic in a big world. Yeah. And, and I don't think we'll capture all of it in one episode. Also the letters within the acronym all don't know a hundred percent about all the other letters within the acronym. Like lesbians don't know everything about trans people and intersex people don't know everything about what it is to be bisexual. For yeah. Instance. Everyone has their own experience. Yeah. Um, there is unfortunately maybe some beef between the groups occasionally. Yeah, and it's a like, shame. Everyone seems to hate bi people. Yeah, and it's, it's, it is a huge Poor shame because how are you going to expect to have effective communication outside of the community when there isn't a cohesive like, understanding reach within the community? And that's what kind of is a big shame. Yeah. It, it's like 98% great. But you just get like they're two percent of haters. Yeah, who were like they were going to be like a bitter person to begin with, but then like they happen to be gay. Yeah. <laughs> so like it's okay for me to say this because I'm gay. It's like no, you're still saying a mean thing. Yeah, being mean is like never okay. No. Just don't be mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so to kind of start off with Toda and my experience in this area, like so we've basically chosen all these topics because we don't have as much experience about any of these topics as I did with the ones in the in season one and the book. Um, but I feel like, so Todd and I encompassed the A section of LGBTQIA+, but that is not really relevant to anything. It's not really relevant to our ability to get work or who we identify as. So it hasn't inhibited our lives at any point. But I thought I w- we would just talk about our experience and how it is hard to live with not a lot of representation and how that might make you feel growing up and not knowing if how you feel is normal or correct or if it's even valid to feel that way in the world. Yeah, it it impacts people's lives very differently in different amounts. Yeah, so I have barely heard anything about being asexual in the LGBTQIA plus community. I've heard about, like here and there, I think Bojack Horseman is like the one piece of media where the character Todd is asexual and then that's a plot line. (laughs) He gets an asexual girlfriend 
And I, I don't think I've seen... Well, he, he, you see through the whole show him go from like not really thinking or worrying about it. And then he gets to an age where it's like, hey, actually, I've never had a relationship. This might be a problem. Yeah. To like, oh, I guess I should get a girlfriend, but it doesn't feel right. Mm. And yeah. And then it's then, really good. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen any other representation of being asexual in the media. And also there's a big spectrum. So I feel like there's demisexuals, which is definitely what I am, where you, you can't be physically attracted to someone unless you 100% feel comfortable in knowing them. But then there's people who are aromantic and they just oppose to anything romantic or completely asexual, where no matter if they know the person 100%, they're married. They still do want nothing to do with sex. So there's a big spectrum just in that one letter, which means that even if you identify with some of it, and not all of it, like Todd in the show, didn't even want to have sex with his girlfriend at all. But it does, is not a representation of every asexual person. They might be like comfortable with one person, a few people. Like there's a spectrum, and it's even yeah. hard when you don't identify with everyone in that one spectrum. I remember when I first met you. You, you perhaps I don't know if you were joking or not, but you were like, oh "My God, I give up. I, I'm just going to be asexual." And that really excited me because I felt like I was definitely leaning towards asexual. And that's what got me interested in you. Because I still had crushes on people, but like I'd never had a positive intimate experience. Yeah. And that was like, so I thought, you know how they use the word sex as like, that's the thing that that's the, the benchmark when people say it's better than sex and everyone's like, whoa, this is a universally good and love thing and in shows I remember like watching Everyone Loves Raymond or something as a kid and everyone's taught like the guys are frothing over it. that's like the plot line of every movie and sitcom is like how much people get laid how much they want to get laid <laughs> and to feel like you don't care about it or that it's not a pleasurable experience for you like over and over again it felt legitimately like this was a universal joke that the world had that was like Sex wasn't good for anybody, yeah. but it was just a front people were putting on. Like, it was, like, this made-up thing, like Santa Claus or something. Yeah. Like, that's what it felt like, that I thought the whole world was lying, that this could possibly be the best, most pleasurable thing you could experience. That's interesting you had that response. I just assumed there was something wrong with me. <laughs> Not the world. Interesting. It's just a window into our psychology. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I it like, didn't really affect like your life in conservation. No, it too didn't. Much. It like literally only if like I think it was just a very personal. Because asexuality is not about who you're attracted to and who you present yourself with in public. Nobody's gonna judge me for not having sex. It's not gonna change your job <laughs> interview. How that goes. It's not gonna change. The only thing was my friend at school called me the forty-year-old virgin. and that's just the stigma i had to live with but that's that's like so that's our like kind of niche perspective because in that regards we understand what it's like not to have representation in the media or like in the world and we felt isolated in our views and thoughts on something that was considered very normal but turns out like wasn't and probably isn't for a lot of people um so that's our like niche perspective uh, we don't, That's a limited insight. Yeah, into, into the community. Like, we're not... Uh, we are, like, we 100% love LGBTQIA people, the movement, everything, but I don't think either of us identify as being in the community 
if that makes <laughs> well, sense. Well, now you said this, this is going to be a groundswell of people demanding, just like they demand I'm a conservationist. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> like, please let me know in the comments, like, if you... I feel like other asexual people have a bigger... Like, just say they were totally against sex, full stop, and they can't find a partner or solidify a partner because every single time that comes up as an issue like it's just so convenient that we both feel or that we both see eye to eye in this and that like yeah. this is not an issue for us but i can imagine how hard it would be to date if you had zero interest in sex but everybody out there on the market like needed physical intimacy to have a successful relationship so i've never identified as being in the community because i never felt Miss, what is it called? I never felt marginalized because of this preference. Mm. Like I never felt like I, as a person, would have any limitations because of this. My job was restricted. Like I don't feel like I kind of deserve to be in the community because I've never been fighting for anything. Yeah. And I know a lot of people feel like this. Just say they've been in a committed relationship with the opposite gender for a long time, and they know in their heart they're pan or bi, and they would love to be with the right woman or man or whoever the same sex gender they are but because they are they've been a, a long-term heterosexual relationship for a long time they don't really feel like they belong in the community because they've never had to fight for their rights because they just so happen to have found the love of their life in the opposite gender yeah if that makes sense though yeah it's understandable they feel like they're not in the club at that point yeah even though they totally are. Because I knew a, a YouTuber that just came out as bi, but she's been in a long-term relationship with a guy for ages. So it's like, it was good and interesting to see that she felt like coming out was such a good thing and that she wanted to own that space, even though outwardly facing, she was with a guy and she just had this yeah. nice heterosexual relationship. And you definitely have like a bunch of pessimistic people be like, oh, she's just doing that for attention. Yeah. Which is like not useful. Yeah. So I wanted to come in today with that context of like, yes, like we kind of have this like one niche experience, but we have never been marginalized because of that. And it's never impacted, uh, it's never impacted my ability to get into the conservation industry. In fact, when you're isolated all of the time, it's not necessarily a bad thing that I don't care about sex. Yeah. <laughs> it's, everyone has their own unique personal experience, which... I think it was like very popular in the Tumblr days mm -hmm. to like, we'll just make a name and a bucket to put everyone in mm -hmm. and everyone can like feel nice with their name and badge. But like, I don't know, I feel like it's too much of spectrums. It's too much like mix of everything that people experience and it changes over their lifetime. Yeah, exactly. That's why I hate... So it's putting people in buckets doesn't feel useful to me. Yeah, and it seems unfair that people have to come out because that means if their preferences change over time... Well, firstly, coming out means that the norm is heterosexuality and you have to announce to the world if you're anything other than that. That feels wrong. Yeah, why can't you just be yourself? Also, like, if, like, you, oh, if your preferences change, like, some... So the bi community get a lot of flack because a lot of people... Not a lot of people. Well, some people start, Yeah, we're not, we're not saying it's all people. <laughs> no, no, no. Some people start off being bi and then realise that they're just gay and into the opposite gender. Mm. So there's this stigma that bi people are just like a like a gateway to being yeah. actually gay which yeah. is just definitely not true for every every person that's bi so but it might be true for like it might be true some, for some, some people. percentage yeah and that's fine as well yeah that's what like i don't know why people 
care so much about how other people's personal freaking sex lives i think there's two things here like one you want to feel normal and represented and own yourself when you go out in public which i understand in the blogs that we're going to talk about today talk about this how much their lives changed for the better once they accepted themselves and valued and loved themselves for who they are and the benefits of visibility but then there's also the notion that like we're all just people we all chop and change we all do different things and our preferences change over time so to keep continuously like tell people who you are can be exhausting every time you come up with a new different like when you realize something new about yourself because this is nothing to do with um, sex or gender or anything but I went to my uh, my mentor last year and I was like I am so sorry that every week I come to you and I have a different a different life journey and I have new things like one t- one um, week I'm saying like look I'm applying for a master's in research the next week I'm like I just rejected the master's in research and I'm gonna do this and the next yeah. week I'm like I'm gonna do this and he's like Jesse life is variable things change like you do not have to apologize for like having different opinions for wanting different things because we live in a fluctuating life and from his perspective he could see me move in an exponential way like i started at one place with him and over time you know in like a heart it monitor, was a trend you weren't just yeah you know like um when you're what is it called investing in something and you see the the how your money is on the graph and it's like lots of little peaks and troughs but it goes in like it goes either straight or positive or negative. He could see me like I all I could see is the little peaks and troughs of the graph, but yeah. he could see that big exponential trend. You zoom out and you see the mountain that you're climbing. Yeah, and you're like, oh no, I'm stepping down <laughs> one rock. This is everything's over now. Yeah. So that's kind of what I mean by this is like if we feel like we have to apologize for every peak and trough and different direction that we turn even though we're going on this big long journey that will ultimately like i don't even know if journeys get you anymore journeys are the destination i think now but like we shouldn't be responsible or feel pressure to tell everybody about each peak and trough that we go on like knowing that it might change because just like gender and just like sexuality is fluid so is life like life just changes some like you could be a police officer for like 50 years And then one day you're like, I want to be a children's party entertainer and I want to dress up like a fairy. And that's okay if you make that decision. (laughs) Yeah. I think the way you're speaking just now makes it clear of like, you view yourself, like your identity and your, how you, how you see yourself in society is very based on like what you're doing with your day and like what you're achieving Mm. in in like a practical sense. Yeah. So like like you don't take much of your my uh, identity, identity has nothing from, to do with from my, your gender, my or gender or sexuality. No, nothing. And like a, a lot of conservationists just identify as conservationists. Like you go onto yeah. their Instagram profile and it's like bio conservationist. Like I identify as this. This is who I am. Yeah. And I talk about this a bit kind of in the book in the last season as kind of a problem how we're too identify ourselves as our work. So if anything wrong happens with our work, if we can't find a job, then yeah. we think we have no value. That is a trap to fall into. Yeah. <laughs> but like my whole... I was just gonna say it as like um like you know just because from you talking with them and like following them on other social medias, mm-hmm. there's definitely blogs written on the conservationist blog that uh were written by LGBTQ IA, IA plus. plus people, but like that wasn't in the blog. Yeah, they because had... it wasn't 
like their primary part of focus their conservationist journey. journey. Yeah, like I am so amazed when I I know someone personally and I read their blog and what they choose to talk about is a life path that's like completely different to what I thought would be important or what what is like notable to them. So I think how you identify and what you choose to represent your life with, be it your job title, your personality, your sexuality, your gender, whatever is important to you, that's okay. Like, I think it's just, it was really interesting for me to think, to like have this conversation and say, my, I've never identified myself as my gender or sexuality. And that's because I've never had to. I've never yeah, been, you can take it for granted. I've never been level. marginalized because of it. So I've never had to make a bigger deal out of it than is needed to be. Like I've never had yeah. to continuously every time I meet people tell them what my pronouns were. I've never had to continuously every time I meet people tell them like what I want them to know so I can feel comfortable and safe doing my job. Is this that uh cis white man privilege they're talking about yeah and so this is it is a bit i can understand it this is really interesting as well so i remember this reading this article that said if you're in a meeting and you use gender neutral pronouns everyone feels more comfortable speaking up because it like kind of negates that women oppression i was trying to find that article to see if that was correct but i ended up finding this other article um it is called let's see it was called um, Can Gender Fair Language Reduce Gender Stereotyping and Discrimination by Skenzie et al. Basically was saying that the obstacles to gender neutral language is the fact that even if we use gender neutral language like police officer instead of policeman, mm. most people think of a man anyway because of historically most of the time men have felt, uh, filled police officer roles. Mm. So as long as there's that history of men occupying gender neutral words and people instantly think of that like people assume a gender anyway when in fact women are the people who mainly benefit from gender neutral language because everyone knows that study of when they laid out those resumes and people with women names didn't get hired for the job even though they had the exact same content on the resume yeah so gender neutral language obviously is so good for trans people who are in the middle of their transition and don't want to use she, her, he, him labels, intersex people, non-binary people, they, them, is amazing. But it's also really incredible for letting women have a chance to not be stereotyped. Yeah. (laughs) Because basically what I remember of this first article is it said that women have this stereotype of oppression. Like, we... Even women ourselves have this misogynistic idea that women should be pushed down. And it's dumb, but it's just the way it is from history (laughs) of it. So when you use gender-neutral language, there's no preconceived stereotypes about non-binary trans people. It's a bit of a subconscious trick in your brain to just treat them as people. There's no stereotypes that have been like throughout history that have trained us to, to... think about them in a certain way yeah so it makes everyone just a level playing field a human and then if we all assume they're men we're all going to give them the best chance of life (laughs) that is do you reckon that's surely what's happening right when people use non-gendered language the assumption is you're talking about a man well, if you say police officer if you say i guess what if what if it was like a trans police officer and people use a police officer, envision man, send yeah. him up the ranks. Next minute, you've given all these opportunities to this trans person 
that you wouldn't have given them before if yeah. you knew their pronouns. I was going to say the wrench in the works is like trans people who being a particular gender is super important to them mm-hmm. clearly and using non-gender language like they want to they want to be a gender and it's really important and they want to celebrate that and keep bringing it up so if she's non-binary language they're like no i, I worked really hard to be a man police off a policeman yeah. call me a policeman don't call me a police officer yeah well i guess we're well, not just generalize but there's definitely people who would consider yeah pride in their pronouns and and want to shout them loud and clear so it's, it makes it tricky it makes it tricky. there's not one and that's thing what that we're makes saying it for everyone. this whole community it's all about personal preferences because in the end you're not just an l or a g or a b or a t or whoever you are you are a person and you have personal preferences <laughs> and you're really? allowed to like just because i'm a conservationist doesn't mean i have to believe everything that every other conservationist believes and 100 percent that's true i just oh, yeah. probably like heaps of you listeners out there i probably don't have exactly the same values on things that you do and that's fine we all come together over the fact that we are conservationists so i can't believe you eat cheese jesse are you even a conservationist i know so many lonely conservationists would be like i would be vegan if it wasn't for cheese yeah cheese is the downfall of a lot of people <laughs> it's the downfall of everyone okay so let's get into enough the about loves. us <laughs> um that's just a bit of history about our opinions on life <laughs> yeah but then again like you're coming to this podcast because it is our opinions like there's only two of us talking so we're not going to speak on behalf of like henry john the third whoever he is what it's not him let's talk about matthew's opinion okay so i love matthew's blog because as i said in the intro matthew's blog was talks so highly of being visible as um, a gay man that he led to the inspiration of creating a lgbtqia plus community chat group for lonely conservationists so if you are in a community and want to be involved in that chat group let me know i'll chuck you in there because it's like cool to identify other people who may be going through the same struggles as you and come together. I love the group because it's not really about the LGBT, LGBTQIA plus community. <laughs> I just started questioning every letter. Like, is this right? Am I just saying the alphabet? Um, like the, the conversations in there are just like, hey, what do you do? I'm working on koala populations. Cool. Yeah. It's nothing about the community. It's just about these like-minded people coming together. They are, yeah, they are people. They're conservationists. They're all conservationists. <laughs> That's probably like, yeah, the, the most common thing yeah. still. Um, so basically, I want to read a, a passage from Matthew's blog because I just think it encapsulates everything. But basically, um, to give you some context, he grew up in a rural town of Victoria. And if you know anything about rural towns... Australia. Yeah, Victoria, Australia. If you know basically anything about rural towns anywhere, yeah, you know that it's the same, <laughs> even in Australia. Yeah, um, sadly, like pretty close-minded, old-fashioned. It's like a small community, so there's not a lot of like diverse opinions and acceptance, I guess, because of the community is just so small. You don't have like in a city where there's yeah, like abundance of people. What's like the social reason for people in rural country places? Being, I guess, more they tend to be more conservative socially. This all tend to, I'm, I'm yeah. Like, gen- generally, maybe more religious. Mm, I wonder yeah. if it's because which all just ends up being very uh, ungay friendly. Yeah, if you're like, just say you're a long line of farmers and you 
only really go out to the pub or to the shops and you're on your farm and because it's like a lot of your work is passed down maybe a lot of the values of your family has also been passed down is it just the size of the communities you end up with a bit of a monoculture yeah maybe you can't yeah. have like oh here's like the skateboarding crew yeah who do this or over here and here's like that it's just we are all in the same boat of farming yeah we all hang out with each other we all end up being sort of the same yeah i wonder why subculture. If, you, if you're from a rural community like feel free to weigh in on this and to let us know your thoughts because it's interesting to like i just why are you all hicks <laughs> i blatantly go insane like as you can tell from just being in a rural town and that's a stereotype i have of rural towns but maybe there's some really progressive rural towns like i don't know but at the same time i've never been to a rural town and like talked to someone and Full not, stop. And not... Just <laughs> no, I mean, like, they're universally the most friendly, lovely people. Yeah, like, you go to bakeries and they're like, oh, where are you from? Because they know you're not from here because they know everyone that's from here. Yeah. They're just lovely people at the same time. Well, I think, like, I don't I know. I feel like I was ragging on them until too long. <laughs> now there's... This is like the country town episode where we just talk about what it's like to be in a country town. Anyway, he's from a country (laughs) town. Um, He didn't feel like he could be himself. So this is what he writes. Um, When I reached my teens, I realized I was gay. The confusing realization came about because I was starting to find the same sex attractive, but also because other kids were picking it up and the bullying had begun. Small rural towns can be pretty cruel places when you sit outside of the cookie cutter of what's expected of you. After being called a F-word too many times, I made the silent decision that I was in fact not gay, as if that was a choice you can make, right? This marked the beginning of my years of denying who I truly was. As an adult, I now realize that it is an, that it is an incredibly daft thing to do. If you lie to yourself and others about who you are, that lie is going to completely warp your sense of self and in turn skew the decisions you begin making. You can't possibly make the right decisions if that's what you're doing. That's pretty sad. Yeah. I find it so poignant when he talks about this because it's like if you can't be true to yourself and acknowledge who you are, how can you make decisions based on your wants and needs as a person if you're lying about your wants and needs as a person? If I'm pretending to be someone that's not me, what decisions do I make to fulfill that persona, not what I actually want to do? So your whole life just begins to be really hollow and not enjoyable, I guess pretty sad (laughs) um so then basically matthew moves to the city uh he goes from the rural town he moved to melbourne but surprisingly he holds on to these notions of homophobia due to the way he was raised so he keeps pretending to be someone he's not despite moving out of that town because yeah he internalized this line to himself yeah And it's just been so ingrained within him that this is the norm. And like, how can you not think that? Like going back to our experience, if there's no representation and you think, and everyone's telling you it's wrong, how can you possibly accept that it's fine and normal if there's no indication in your life that it is fine and normal? Yeah. I guess it's surprising that he was now in the environment of like a city Mm -hmm. and like we, we live in Melbourne as well. And, like, there's some strange people in Melbourne. Yeah. Like, there's some quirky people rocking about the train lines. Especially in Brunswick, Brunswick or whatever. Like, Especially nobody, in some suburbs. Nobody's going to question who you are, where you're from. It's a very, like, yeah. culturally progressive... I think this is the most progressive 
city I've ever lived in. They they very much yeah push it to the other end of like a rural town. So if to you can make it accepting. if you can imagine like indigenous representation is very important in Melbourne. There's signs of whatever if you're in a national park, it tells you what land you're on. Even on my gym, it says what land the gym is on. Every presentation, everything you go to acknowledges indigenous land. It is very culturally progressive. This city. Yeah. So it just is kind of crazy that. Matthew came here and still felt like he couldn't be himself because of how much it had been internalized not to be able to be. I, well, yeah, it, eventually he did yeah. come around, but yeah, it, it was years. But because of he was, he, was hi- he was still hiding everything about himself, which meant his studies really suffered because he was... I don't think he was studying what he wanted to study. And for the longest time, he was just going through the notions of peace, get degrees, just trying to get by basically and just live this life he wasn't happy with yeah but eventually he realized that owning himself and his sexuality was so important and he uncovered ecology at the same time and he just started once he acknowledged one part of himself everything else started falling into place like oh i'm allowed to like men and i'm allowed to study ecology and i'm allowed to find plants and birds and tigers enjoyable like everything falls into place once he acknowledged who he was. So he talks a lot about the importance of visibility for conservationists who are in the LGBTQIA community because knowing each other is there makes the safe uh, makes the space a bit safer, more comfortable, and you can all truly be yourselves together. And I think that's really what I got from Matthew's blog is the importance of acknowledging who you are and feeling confident and comfortable enough to be who you are And I'm actually really proud of him because at the end of the blog, he was talking about how hard it is to find jobs in the industry, which many of us have experienced. Yeah, this poor guy finishes uni just in uh, 2020. (laughs) In COVID. With COVID changing the world. Yeah. and He's had it rough. He considered going back to find a job in his town and thinking about the apprehension of doing that. But then he goes on to say that he now knows who he is. He acknowledges the value he has as a person. And he would be, if he did choose to go back, I'm not sure if he did. Matthew, I'd love to hear from you. If you ever want to do a part two of your blog, <laughs> I would love to know. Um, but basically he says he's comf- comfortable and confident enough in himself that he would be happy to go back and not be the same person he was last time he was there yeah yeah so i just thought like his blog was really a beautiful message to other lgbtqia plus people in the community to say being visible is important to kind of say like a nod to it's okay to be who you are and and also like how amazing is it that you've uncovered your true self and you get to live this life that you really truly want to live because of who you finally acknowledge that you are. I loved how open and honest the whole blog was. Mm-hmm. It felt like, yeah, just a really uh, honest self-reflection yeah. of his life. But also, like, I love just that messaging. And, and some people, this is the thing as well, some people might not like being visible in their job. They might think, like, my sexuality doesn't matter. But I kind of love Matthew's stance of, like, it's important to acknowledge that I'm gay in conservation in hopes that if other people are gay, they don't feel like it's a barrier into getting into that career. That thing about representation, like owning your 
not your responsibility, but the power you can have as like if you do own your space. So I thought like that was an amazing message from Matthew. And because that group was created straight after he published his blog, it meant that he it, his blog was inspiring and it did have tangible impacts on the community. And I love that for for people to create tangible change with their stories. Like that's what these blogs are all about. It's about inspiring people. It's about making an impact on the community. And Matthew definitely did that. So congratulations, we're very proud of you. And yeah, yeah another proud parent moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, then the next blog we're going to talk about is um, Thea's blog. So as we said in the beginning, Thea wrote her blog under the name Fen. Uh, she has recently come out, and I think, I hope this is fine to say, I will take it out, Thea, if you don't feel comfortable, but on her Instagram, the fairy bog mother, best Instagram name ever, <laughs> um, she's been quite open about coming out in the industry, and it's been really incredible to watch her journey. Um, and so Coming Thea, out as? Coming out as a woman. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is, this is a, coming out could mean a lot of things. True, true. And to different people. Th this is good that I have you here, actually, because I feel like I've been following the journeys of all the lonely co conservationists so intimately, and I talk about them like I know them, and they're just a person in my life. Yeah. So people listening might not be acquainted with all of these people. So I would definitely I'll put their Instagram links in the bio, their blogs, and you can find some new friends if you so wish. Because I just love watching lonely conservationists grow and go through all the peaks and troughs and the, the ups and downs of the graph because it feels like I'm less alone in my peaks and troughs if I can see a range of people going through those as well. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, that's what it's all about. What's Thea's story? Thea's story is like, honestly, am I allowed to say this? It's the most beautifully written blog on lonely conservationists. It's actually a really like well thought out metaphor. It's very It's, it's virgin on poetry. Yeah, yeah like... Thea, if you ever want to publish a book or a poetry or <laughs> <laughs> some piece of like published writing, I think you will be so successful. Like, mm. especially like it reminds me of, uh, should I read a passage? Yeah, I'll read a passage and then I'll say. Can we talk about Thea's background first? Well, just at the start, she talks about growing up in uh, Mississippi. Yeah. So again, there's that contrast. It's, a, it's almost a yep. similar story of like... Maybe a bit more rural. The environment around you is much more conservative. If you're in a hick state, which is like a whole, <laughs> <laughs> like a conservative hick state, it's like the country town exacerbated into. It a makes whole things state. harder. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about that, but also it is a state of like really beautiful, um, wildlife, nature, and wildlife and mm -hmm. forests and stuff. Yeah. And something that I I didn't know I thought it was an Australian thing having we have bushfires that just the entire forest catches fire every once in a while they talk about that in LA so much and there's the, always the LA fires yeah the LA is on fire a lot recently as well <laughs> but I didn't know like for me when I picture Mississippi I picture what do you uh, picture just the river I guess yeah all, the river and a lot of corn crops all I know about Mississippi also is the river and that thing like Mrs. M Mrs. I and, Mrs. S S I <laughs> and closed down industrial <laughs> locations yeah I don't know anything about Mississippi so to get such a picturesque like vision of what mississippi wildlife is like from this blog if anyone yeah. is from another country or another state and has not been to mississippi 
Definitely read Thea's blog. It is beautiful. Yeah. So, but apparently there, it's also like a part of nature for what they call a wild. Is it a different type of fire if it's a bushfire or a wildfire? Well, a I wildfire is uncontrollable, I think. They have well, fires go through forests. Is it just because you don't call the bush the bush in America? Like, is the bush an Australian thing and that's why we call them bushfires? Yeah. Because I never hear other countries talk about the bush. Yeah, so it's probably the same. Because like... they have, like, actual nature and not just <laughs> a bunch of <laughs> desert with the odd bush tree. <laughs> okay, well, that's a new realisation for me. So, yeah, wildfires and bushfires are probably the, th- the same thing, but because we just have bush. <laughs> it's not wild. Like, no, but, like, if you have heaps of different landscapes that can catch fire, it's encompassed by wildfires. Yeah. We do have different landscapes, by the way. Like, just Aussies, cool. The outback the bush basically yeah like because the well, no you you translate it with another australian term what no one else calls it the outback oh my god this australians can't talk about no. stuff because we just speak too much australian when we say bush you know obviously we're, we're talking about the, the outback, outback. and when it... we say the outback we're talking about outside well, isn't it nature. like because we have gigantic properties and all of the interior of Australia is empty. It's just outback. It's like your backyard is outback. Yeah. I think that's sort of what it came from. Yeah. Anyway. If, if you're also a linguistics or English specialist. So now you understand what Thea's talking about. Jesse can read this passage. Yeah. So, yeah. I was going to mention the bushfire stuff after I read the passage, but that's okay. <laughs> Thea says... When a burn moves through a savanna, there's always a period of time when you might think that the beauty is lost that the flowers might have died after facing such destruction. Before the new growth emerges after the embers dwindle, it is hard to believe that the ecosystem will rise again to full glory. Time proves us wrong in these moments, though, and likewise, I am in the process of recovering. In the time since then, I have spent a lot of time doing similar things to what I did before coming out of the closet. However, this time, I get to be myself. I get to wear makeup if I want to show off my tattoos and earrings. I'm still in the process of getting back on my feet fully. It's been a longer process than I had anticipated starting from scratch. So freaking beautiful and metaphorical. And this is what I was going to say before. Thea, if you want to write a book about nature recovering as people recover, I swear there's money in that because (laughs) like in the 2009 bushfires, they destroyed 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 victoria like we call it black saturday it was horrific the recent one no the 2009 one. Oh, 2009 yeah. yeah so basically i know somebody who lost two daughters in those bushfires someone i teach with and she said to me everyone asked me why i didn't leave after that but she's like i came here to live in nature i acknowledge the consequences of nature and as nature regrows and rebuilds I also heal with that. Mm. And it's just such a common theme, especially if you've been in the LA bushfires, if you've been in the Australian bushfires last year. The There is such healing power from nature recovering and you recovering alongside it. And I feel like the way you write there is so stunning. You could bring people to tears with just if you wanted to get into the market of writing for people who have recovered alongside nature i just i feel like you i don't know you're just doing the world a service but until then we're so honored and privileged to just have your blog 
to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just so beautifully written. And she also says, back to being in Mississippi, so prior to Thea's coming out, this blog was written in the time when she recalls coming out as gay. So this is pre-transition. So I correct me if I'm wrong, Thea, and I'll make a, a note in this podcast, but I get the perception that... Um, this blog is written from the perspective of coming out as gay and exploring things like makeup, changing clothes, and and yeah. she just... doesn't mention at all being transgender, but she does mention like wanting to put on makeup and earrings. So, yeah, like, it's so... the kind of thing you look back on and be like, it was obvious in hindsight, wasn't it? Well, I think just becoming more of her true self, and sometimes that takes baby steps. Sometimes you need to go in like take small chunks of what feels acceptable it's especially in a redneck state where it's like very hard to be who you want to be and there's a lot of pressure i think sometimes transitioning to be your truest self in the smallest steps possible it's like maybe not it maybe is good for you but maybe it's just the best way to be safe and comfortable in your environment to do it that way so future Jessie popping in here with a note from Thea. She just wanted to clarify that at the time of writing the blog, she did consider herself to be a cisgender man coming out as gay. And since writing the blog, she has then come out as transgender in 2020. So at the time of writing, she didn't identify as trans. If anything, she considered herself to be non-binary. So yeah, I hope that sets the context, and thank you so much, Thea, for clarifying this for us. Well, that's what gets me the most, the fact that she makes it sound like, even just coming out as gay, she basically lost her family. Yeah. Like, support, like, obviously they didn't take it well. And so, and yeah, being in the whole, the whole community like that, to it shows you how important being true to yourself is mm-hmm. like to Thea it was obviously worth losing all that support network to gain her having back. like it'd be so difficult mm-hmm. it would be so so hard but Thea's like well it's worth it otherwise I'm not being myself and that's even more painful like to, when Matthew was speaking his studies failed everything was failing when yeah. he wasn't being authentic yeah so it goes to show how it impacts your it whole is. life yeah yeah so, but it shows you how high, how impactful it is and how high the stakes are mm-hmm. that people will have to make choices like this, which is awful, which shouldn't be the case, of course. And that's what annoys Todd, and he gets into a it's... lot of arguments with people when people in his old... So he's moved jobs from his old shitty job that he talked shitty about. Job. So it wasn't a shitty job, but he talked about a lot about the closed-mindedness of the people he used to work with. He doesn't work there now. But back when he did, um, he was always getting into fights with people when discussions discussions debates when like on the news there'll be something about being transgender and people will be like oh why do they even bother and Todd is like you don't understand how hard it is and how much effort it is to transition why would people be just doing this for fun <laughs> like or you, yeah you would not do it just on a whim yeah it is a really big deal that is life-changing and like can cause relationships with your family and friends to be destroyed yeah it's not easy you because do not do this thing lightly especially having to educate your friends and family on new pronouns and and to 
have a dead name, but then to be so understanding in your friends and family taking the time to get used to these changes like you may have sat with it for a long time and you finally acknowledged it and it's easy for you but watching your whole family having to like take the time and effort to catch up with you as well it is such a big process that nobody does for fun or for the hell of it it is so important and meaningful that people are supported in these journeys yeah because it's it's nothing to be taken lightly because as todd said like you use you lose friends you lose family you could lose a job i don't know what dickhead employer would like fire you for it but they could if you get a good lawyer you could get a few you could get some money out of that situation but like it is i think even in america they were like the some politicians wanted to make it like legal to fire people for being gay or like any anything weird. Oh, when I my first night in Indonesia, when I came back, I turn on the TV. Judge Judy equivalent is on, convicting <laughs> someone for being gay. Like in just the, being gay is yeah, illegal. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, holy shit! Like yeah. this is the crime. <laughs> this this is not a, just a description of him. Like this is the crime. Yeah. <laughs> so this goes on nicely to when Thea talks about. Still, being gay in Mississippi while being a total geek for nature and conservation has its drawbacks. When I wander in the woods, I usually make sure at least one person knows where I'm going or I wait till a friend can come with me. If I wear makeup and feminine jewelry, I avoid more rural areas. So this is like, this is really reminiscent of like racial discrimination where your access is actively being lost to certain areas. It's unsafe to go out alone. It's unsafe to go to certain places. Like your life could be in danger from making this transition. That's why we... It's really? pretty horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, how can anyone make light of this and say that it is an easy or a flippant thing for people to do when they're putting their lives at risk in some cases? Like, yeah, it's just crazy. I'm just horrified that it's like a, a, a legitimate threat of like someone not liking how you look. And because you're in the middle of the forest, they might be violent towards you. And what's crazy is, so I saw this post on like the internet the other day i don't know where i saw it but this guy was wearing a badge that says he him pronouns and people are so transphobic that they see these he him pronouns this guy was a cis white man and (laughs) people would go up to them and specifically say her and she because they thought that if they thought that would if he was if he was wearing this badge he must have transitioned and thus we must call him his original pronouns but he was a cis man like which he didn't know how transphobic people were until he started becoming an ally and and representing his pronouns to make it more accessible and then he was getting treated differently yeah can you imagine a white man being treated differently Uh, he he got mistaken for not a white straight man i know oh that was his first mistake (laughs) but it's just like it's crazy because i think we can all get into our bubbles of being in such progressive well especially i don't live in a redneck state i don't live in a country town i live in a very inclusive city i get into this bubble of inclusivity and acceptance and when i was in indonesia and i can't even hold hands with todd and it was like i could have got arrested for living unmarried with todd like just not not even gay just a straight relationship but not married yet yeah like is just crazy to think how much people have to fight for their rights to live legally privileged like just to have a normal life yeah just because of who they are as a person it's crazy yeah 
it's definitely something you sort of like maybe left out of your book just because it's not a personal struggle you've had yeah well because i have but it is a massive struggle to a lot of people i have the whole section on sexism so i can speak infinite experiences (laughs) on what it's like to be like discriminated against because of my gender as a woman and so i wrote a chapter about that but i have actually i have not been discriminated against for being gay but when i went to south africa everyone on camp thought me and my best friend were gay because we're very close and apparently I was wearing rainbow shoelaces, which what? I didn't even think of. I didn't think of as a cue. This was in 2012, so like a while ago. And then I just was sitting at a table with all these people and they're like, oh, so how long have you guys been together? And I was like, oh, we just met like two years ago at uni. And we've been like traveling ever since, blah, blah, blah. And it got to have been like, and then I realized like, oh, I know I meant I don't continue to make it sound like I had a a, I had a boyfriend at the time so I was like oh yeah it's challenging leaving my boyfriend and he's like what I thought you guys were a couple and I was like why do you think that he's like you guys are so close and you're wearing rainbow shoelaces and I was like (laughs) I just like rainbows I just like colors yeah but I he treated us fine and everyone thought we were gay but nobody mentioned anything to them yeah and i I didn't get discriminated over i was just more in shock because i had it's not a problem for you (laughs) and like that's such a good thing yeah it was interesting that i had one experience with it and it was positive so i hope that a lot of people in conservation because conservation is a bit like you are fighting for species that can't speak for themselves hopefully there's that kind of empathy that resonates through the community where you acknowledge when things are unfair or when discrimination or something's happening because the whole premise of our job is being empathetic and trying to help the planet so wouldn't those kind of values translate a lot of the time well, this is what surprised me. I thought, like, conservationists, they're a bit of a hippie, touchy-feely crowd, you know? <laughs> Are we? <laughs> I thought, you know, most of them would be totally okay with the LGBT... QIA plus. <laughs> yeah. I, it just... It obviously depends where in the world you are. Again, working in Indonesia, I could not be gay. Mm. Like, and a lot of people do work outside of their home country and you know it was illegal gay marriage was illegal in australia until a couple of years ago do you remember what year that was uh yeah and then it was just a plebiscite as well it wasn't even like they didn't agree with our vote that we voted (laughs) (laughs) at the time our prime minister had a lesbian sister and he refused to make gay marriage a thing unless the people spoke for it it was ridiculous. But other, like, other countries have like engaged in an interesting and like drama-filled politics, and Australia just has like the stupidest politics. Yeah, no, Australia's like <laughs> very. Crazy. It's not even like drama or interesting. <laughs> it's just really stupid. Yeah. Um, so to end, we had our last segment in our last podcast. Like, what can we do to help? As like straight white people, what can we do to help and make? a better life in conservation for LGBTQIA plus community members. Like we were talking about this before that we feel like the advice is going to be mostly the same for all of these podcasts where like last week we were talking about if you make the jobs more accessible for everybody, it's only going to make each individual, no matter who they are, feel more included. Mm -hmm. Like, so if you, so I don't know about 
gender neutral language across the board because it does help women in meetings and stuff it does help women it obviously helps uh non-binary intersex transitioning people but again others might have preferences that they've worked so hard to get their pronouns they want to have their pronouns used so i i don't want to say blanketly we should be but i feel like an integration of taking the time to learn how to use gender neutral pronouns is only going to be beneficial as more people feel comfortable in society coming out and using gender neutral pronouns because a lot of people struggle with using they them because they don't think it structurally makes sense in a sentence but the more we practice using it the more we can use the pronouns of whoever wants to come and work for us and it's easy and we don't misgender them as much or at all i think in my personal experience for like um for like gay couples and stuff the language people use has become a lot more inclusive like it's much more this is what i mean in my experience saying like my partner Mm -hmm. saying you know uh things that could be either way is a lot more normalized now Mm -hmm. i've always said my partner because i think when you're a certain age boyfriend sounds very immature like you're year seven (laughs) and so it's interesting to see when people if i say my partner and then people say like oh what does he do what does she do? Like, I, it's interesting to see what pronouns they use or what language the other person uses when you say your partner. Yeah. So I think, like, the world's got a lot more progressive and a lot of people complain that the people on TikTok, the Gen Zs, they can just be gay in primary school. They never have to worry about coming out. They never have to worry about going through an identity crisis. It's interesting seeing the divide with people our age, like, late 20s, really struggled and I'm like, one of my best friends is gay in high school and I didn't know the whole time I was in high school. Actually, two of my best friends in high school were gay. I found out one of them was gay in year 12, the other one after high school finished. Like there was still such a stigma mm. when we were at school. So I remember I- when I was like 10 years old or something. I don't know if this is still what 10 year old kids do, but like if you don't like something, you would call it gay. Yeah. Luckily that That stopped. was just very normalized, but it does feel like that's not as that's not on popular anymore. anymore. Yeah, but that was the language when we were at school. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. And so I feel like growing up, like in the future, I believe that conservation jobs and jobs across the board will be really inclusive and progressive. But it's just our generation, the generations before us, mm-hmm. there's a lot of undoing of like stigmas and bad language and we just have to undo and unlearn a lot of things and that's on us it's a personal responsibility and that's part of why we're doing this podcast is that like if you didn't listen to the intro podcast the reason we're speaking about people's stories and they're not a guest on this on the podcast is because it's not people's responsibility to educate us like it's not the victim's responsibility ever to educate the perpetrator they're already trying their best just to live their normal lives yeah the whole point of these podcasts is that they've already told their story on the blog and we're shedding light on that so you can go back and read their blogs you can take the time to sit and have this conversation about how and think to yourself how are these people marginalized and impacted just because of who they are and i think this podcast is our way of trying to educate ourselves make um 
make our lives and our behavior more inclusive because I think reading a blog is one thing but it's not until you actually talk about it that you realize all the intricacies and like the meaning and the depth of what people have really talked about and the implications of that so I think that a huge thing that we can all do collectively again listen just listen to people's stories listen to your friends your family your anybody in the community listen to what they have to say because again as we said at the start of this um, conversation that everybody has different preferences and maybe what we said if you're from the lgbtqia plus community and you don't resonate with anything we've said that's totally fine <laughs> because everyone is different and that's why it's so important to listen to people and um, especially if they're close to you find out what they want you to talk and behave like and and just do what makes the people around you comfortable and happy you make it sound so simple well even so before this podcast i reached out to thea because thea's blog has the name finn and because mm. she just went through this transition i wanted to make sure exactly what name i should call her and the pronoun she wanted me to use and that took two seconds of my time to just ask these questions yeah and but it I imagine it would make a world of difference to Thea to hear someone talking about her in the way that she prefers. And like, this is nothing to do with gender or sex or anything, but the person who messaged the other day and called Todd Rodney, <laughs> um, the way she was talking about lonely conservationists and the things that she mentioned was so specific to the way Todd and I have spoke on the, on the podcast. It made me so happy to feel like she had listened to me and she said like I won't call you an inspiration because I haven't acted on anything you've done yet and just like <laughs> things like that that she's said and the fact that she listened to me it, it really showed that she listened yeah it made me feel so good and like valued and like everything she said had so much more weight it's so much better than I love your work yeah <laughs> yeah so it's like it's one thing to to say you're an ally it's one thing to to say things, but unless you do things, like nothing can change. Like if this is something that it just needs to be a collective effort of treating everyone like a human, asking what they prefer, what their preferences are, uh, making sure that they're comfortable. Like think of your best friend, how you would treat them is how you should treat everybody that you work with, talk with, interact with. And I think like, I guess this is different no, it's the same with chronic illness. Like, okay, what's your specific illness? If you're comfortable talking about how can, is there anything we can do specifically to make your job, your life easier? It's all about talking with people and building connections. Because if everyone is a stranger or a stereotype to you, then like nothing's going to get fixed really. Agreed. <laughs> So that was our episode on the LGBTQIA plus community in conservation. I actually had a really fun time exploring this episode. I really love both of these blogs and I hope you go check them out, give them a read. Again, they were by Thea 
and by Matthew, and I will link both of the blogs and their Instagrams down below. Um, so yeah, check them out. Uh, our Instagram is at Lonely Conservationist, and we're at Lonely Conserve on Twitter. You can follow the website at www.lonelyconservationist.com, and you can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lonelyconservationist. Also, if you haven't yet, um, you should maybe get my book and give it a read. It covers everything we talked about in season one of the podcast. Um, so if you want more about my journey in the conservation industry, you should definitely give that book a read. But yeah, um, thank you for listening to this podcast. And until next time, catch you around. Bye.